Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. Ah, yeah, you know what it is. Hard worker, scrappy, unfiltered, and sometimes unhinged football content. Hard to explain, but you know it when you see it. Doing it daily, our way. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Redraft and Dynasty Fantasy Football, we got you covered. You know their defense is ranked like 31st in the NFL? NFL draft prospects and rookies? Now you know you in the right place for that. Absolutely. All right, then stop saying it. Then we're done. And prop bets with my man Jay Rich. Count that money, man. Now wipe the crust out of your eyes. Get you a cup of coffee. It's time to wake your ass up with Ray G. You honestly are making absolutely no sense and you sound silly as hell. Good morning, everybody. It is Wake Up with Jay Rich. You know that Ray is gone today. He's in the he's in Mexico, I'm pretty sure, trying to find a witch doctor to repair his Achilles. But I am here today. It's going to be a great show. I'm doing a Q&A today with Elliot Chris, the CEO of Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life. But first off, I want to say good morning to everyone out there. Happy Friday. Happy to you, Mike Anderson, Sam, Lindsey, Mac, Dynasty, Barry, Cole World. Really appreciate all you guys being here, but I'm not even going to bear the intro. Of course, this show is sponsored by Prize Picks. Make sure you use promo code WAKEUP for a 100% deposit match up to $100, but I won't delay it anymore. I have my dear friend, Elliot Christ, in the building. Elliot, how are you doing? How are you feeling? We met at the Fantasy Football Expo, so I saw how tall you are. So people who don't understand here... People don't understand, this show just got a lot taller. We took our weak link out of the show. We brought in star center. Maybe, could you play center power forward in like a men's league? You're like, what, 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, Elliot, I, I how are you I doing? Six, seven. I wish I was 6'7". I'm like 6'3", I'm like pushing 6'4", but that is, that's a center in a men's league, and I'll tell you, all I'm good at is getting rebounds. All my friends call me uh, Orteen Bortat. <laughs> that's the nickname. Just hang Perfect. out down there and just go be big and pass the ball whenever you get it. Perfect. Yeah, no, I, like, so like I was mentioned, CEO of Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life, um, high roller extraordinaire, as I like to call you, because your unit size is about 10 times the size of mine. But, you know, big supporter of our show, what we did early on, so I really appreciate you coming on. But let's not waste any more time. Let's dive into the news, and the people love it. It's my segment, but you'll be doing it with me. Let's get into straight facts. So the biggest news yesterday dropped, Russell Wilson extended to a five-year contract, $245 million, 165 guaranteed. I saw 161 guaranteed. The point is, it was more than Kyler Murray. Now Russell Wilson is under contract for seven years and $295 million signed through his age 30 season. Elliot, how do you feel about Russell Wilson now that he's signed to this mega contract, locked in for the Denver Broncos with this new ownership regime? How do you feel about the weapons? How do you feel about the team? And how do you feel about Russell Wilson with this new extension? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. This is basically what a quarterback gets paid these days, right? $250 million in some form or fashion. It's what Lamar's arguing with the Ravens about right now is he wants a higher <laughs> form of guarantee. It's, it, this is the number, and the guarantees are what determine everybody. But I think from a Broncos perspective, it's smart. You went all in on getting Russell Wilson. You got to extend them, and this is going to make or break the franchise for the next five years. And I think it's going to uh, make it. Like, getting – him with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. I really wish Tim Patrick was healthy because I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in football. And Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon and, you know, Alberto, who 
may or may not ever be a thing, but regardless, yeah. he's a good athlete at the tight end position. You know, on top of the fact that they've got a good defense with some cornerstone pieces there, like if you're going to compete in this division where Justin Herbert, who is not Blake Griffin, and um, Patrick Mahomes are going to be in this division for a long time, Derek Carr is going to be in it too, but I'm less worried about him. You have to swing big, right? This, this yeah. is what you have to do. You have to lock in your quarterback. Russell Wilson's got a long career. And maybe we'll finally see what he does when they, they go pass first and stop just handing the ball off 30 times a game and hoping that he can, you know, remain this incredibly efficient passer to make up for the lackluster coaching. So I think it's a no-brainer decision for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and you talk about, you know, a t- an ownership group paying, you know, $4.5 million for this franchise. Could you imagine if they decided, well, you know, we don't really want to extend Russell Wilson. But the biggest thing with this whole story comes back to Lamar Jackson, right? And if I was Lamar Jackson, I'd be walking into the Ravens facility, like my man Fat Joe said a few days ago. Yesterday's price is not, is not today's, today's price. price. Right? Because before, 160 was the guaranteed number. Now it's 165. Lamar Jackson looking for his extension. Kyler got 160. Russ, at age 34, got 165. There was reports he wanted a fully guaranteed contract. Elliot, do you think he gets it with the Ravens? And how much do you think he's really worth? You know, in a lot of ways, MVP season worth a little bit more than Kyler Murray. Is he worth as much as Super Bowl champion Russell Wilson? Potentially because he's much younger. But the problem, obviously, is his longevity in the NFL. Are people really going to believe in him long-term and did the Ravens believe in him long-term? How do you feel about Lamar Jackson knowing that he's still fighting for this extension? It seems like forever at this point. Yeah. I mean, if I was Lamar, I wouldn't even negotiate. I would just respond, pay me to every single sentence. Like I'd write down a number and they would make a counterpoint and I would just respond, pay me. Like yeah, the youngest MVP in NFL history, Lamar Jackson is the best runner in NFL history. Most dynamic player at the quarterback position we have ever seen now from a longevity standpoint do i think he's going to be this player till 40 no we we know lose development in the the running game but can he step up in the passing game and i think we've seen him get developed every single year and i think one of the issues with lamar is we keep trying to make him something he's not why can't we just appreciate him for what he is and and his greatness and we're talking about a five-year contract if lamar's not good for the next five years the ravens are done anyway so i give the man his money he's earned it and he st- the next five years, he still projects to be a, an elite athlete and, and take them to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, he's he's a guy who can really get it done for that franchise. I'm not worried about him in the slightest. And I think that in a lot of ways, you know, the Ravens just need to suck it up. You know, that's not necessarily what they planned on doing. Maybe they plan on replacing him at some point. But he's going to be their franchise quarterback. You think about the revenue that he drives for that franchise consistently. They have to sign him at this point. You know, Russ is getting his deal. Kyler got his deal. You know, I talked with Ray a lot, and it just feels, unfortunately, for Lamar, like he peaked too early getting the MVP in his second season. Then after that, obviously, it's been down in some ways ever since. But he's a team that can take him to the promised land and a team that I believe is structured in a way that they can succeed. But let's switch gears here and let's go to the AFC West and let's talk about Sony Michelle. You know, Sony Michelle was kind of a surprise prize cut from the Miami Dolphins do you think he can be relevant for this Chargers franchise now that he signed with them to be that Austin Eckler compliment we thought it would be Isaiah Spiller the fourth round draft pick out of Texas A&M and then another little stat that I dug up is when Michelle's been healthy for 13 games he's carried at least he's carried the ball at least 200 times every year of his career do you think he will do that for the Chargers and how do you feel about him in fantasy now that he's on that team no I do not think he will do that for the Chargers just kind of point blank period. I think Isaiah Spiller is a really good, interesting case study for fantasy in general. 
where we like these prospects and we push them up the board with too much certainty. Right? Like yeah. he was a great guy to swing on in like best ball drafts in the fifteenth round. Take a chance. There's a lot of unknown. Once you start acting like the known, it, like the unknown is known, you're you're gonna get yourself into a lot of trouble. Right? Like this is an unknown situation and now you've set the price as if he is locked and loaded in that position. So yeah. I would be I would be out on Isaiah Spiller right now. I think Joshua Kelly's still mm-hmm. probably gonna be a little bit involved. But ultimately, this is gonna be awesome Eckler's team, especially near the red zone they get creative with him you know he was what second in the nfl in touchdowns last year so they're yeah. gonna not they're not gonna stop using austin eckler so what i hate sony michelle at the end like a best ball draft where i never have to count on him on a weekly production no but i'm not counting on him for anything real this year yeah, no, I think you made a really good point about Isaiah Spiller, right? We all wanted him to be a thing, to be that compliment, potentially, you know, 150 carries, maybe catch a few balls out of the backfield, but be that compliment to Austin Eckler. Now it seems like maybe the team isn't so confident he's going to be able to take that role because to your point, Joshua Kelly was kind of the backup slash co-starter with Austin Eckler and Spiller, you know, he's dealing with the ankle injury, potentially going to be back for week one, but not an encouraging sign for him when they are signing Sony Michelle. That may mean nothing, right? This is a guy who was on Miami and got cut and they still kept I believe five running backs on that roster. So for him to be picked up by the Chargers, maybe it's a depth move. Maybe it doesn't mean a whole lot. But at the end of the day, it means more than nothing, especially for Isaiah Spiller looking to make a name for himself in the NFL this season. Now, the biggest trade, I think, at least as far as this show is concerned, was Jalen Rager being traded from Philadelphia to Minnesota. Ray's favorite wide receiver of the draft did wanted them over Justin Jefferson. Now he's playing second fiddle, or better yet, fifth fiddle to Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. They traded a seventh round pick and a conditional fourth for him. They did release Amir Smith-Marset, who was their primary punt returner. They basically said that he's not good enough in a statement, which was pretty hilarious. Statements out of Minnesota have been a, have been wild lately. But Elliot, is there any hope for Ray and his love of Jalen Rager in Minnesota to maybe be the wide receiver three? We know KJ Osborne's there. They need a deep threat and a punt returner. We know that Jalen can do that. But is there any hope for Ray that maybe Rager can carve out a small role, maybe in deep, deep, deep best ball formats? I think it's it's pretty hilarious that he gets traded to Minnesota, by the way. Yeah. Like, after all that, like that, this is another great time to, to do the fat throw drop, where it's like today's price is not yesterday's price in terms yesterday's of yesterday's price <laughs> is not. My man went ahead of Justin price. Jefferson, and now he's his backup. Um, yeah, maybe his backup if he's lucky, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think he'll probably you know compete with KJ Osborne, but ultimately that team is going to funnel targets to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Um, it's probably a better spot than he was before in terms of it's it's probably a passing QB Absolutely. upgrade, volume upgrade. It's he's got an opportunity to be that third wide receiver as opposed to he was behind Quez Watkins for sure. So it's oh, yeah. an upgrade, but is he relevant? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, you just said it, right? Is that I think he can compete with KJ Osborne, but at the same time, I think they do different things, right? Like he's more of a deep threat, can stretch the field. KJ Osborne, in a lot of ways, is a guy who can step in and replace Adam Thielen if need be, or can be a compliment in the short intermediate game versus Rager, who, while he can run some bubble screens and obviously can return punts, he is more of a deep threat intermediate guy, at least as far as his skill set out of college kind of dictated and what we've seen from him in the NFL so far. 
Now, another concerning situation coming out of Arizona is that Zach Ertz and Rondell Moore are questionable for week one. How does that make you feel about, you know, I, I'm actually thinking about this from a DFS perspective with Arizona and uh, Kansas City. That's looking like it's going to be a super stack. Mahomes, the highest rated quarterback on the slate for on DraftKings, at least. Where are you at with this team now? If Kyler Murray only has Hollywood Brown, how is this team possibly going to compete with the Chiefs in week one? The Cardinals' first half of the year have been incredible, and their second half of the years have been awful under Cliff Kingsbury. So it's interesting that Chiefs right now, I think, are the most bet team in the NFL for week one at minus three and a half as road dogs, which yeah. that, that gets scary in a hurry when it's like, well, how could the Cardinals win this game? They're three and a half point home underdogs. Like, eh. But in DFS, I mean, Marquise Brown, I think, is going to get fed. We, we've seen him yeah. be a very good receiver with high volume as well, right? He's had some really big weeks. Last year, I think people forget just how good he was for the Ravens. And he gets to play in that air raid offense where he's thrived with Kyler in college. So I think you're going to see a ton of him early on. Um, you'll, But like you said, no DeAndre Hopkins, potentially no Rondell Moore, no Zach Ertz. Um, they did draft Trey McBride, who I liked a lot. So I think he's like a yeah. – but rookie tight ends are so tough to count on. So I think it's going to be the Hollywood show for a while, and we'll see what happens with everybody else. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough, though, for Kyler. As much as you know, I like Kyler, and I like I like Rondell Moore, I like Marquise Brown, especially with Hopkins out. You know, Zach Ernst was hopefully going to be a guy that we could really count on in fantasy this year with the high volume he saw with DeAndre Hopkins out. It's just not looking good now. And, is it, you know, what does it mean for James Conner with, you know, guys maybe coming down in the box because they don't have the weapons on the outside to dictate them being further back and him getting more running lanes? I think it could mean trouble for them early on. And, you know, I, I was talking with one of my buddies, uh, Jordan Vanek of the 33rd team, and he called me one day because he was looking at the DFS slate for week one. And he's like, I have no idea how the Cardinals are going to survive on defense, especially in the secondary, because they just have a terrible secondary. There, there's no reason why they should compete at all. And so it's just going to be them playing from behind a lot. And week one, to your point, the Chiefs at three and a half should cover that spread really easily. So I'm definitely with you on all of those fronts. Now, going to one of probably, I think it's the most bet Super team in the NFL right now, the Philadelphia Eagles, where are you at with them picking up Trey Sermon? You know, Miles Sanders returned to practice with his hamstring injury. People like Kenneth Gainwell, maybe Jordan Howard can always come back on this offense. You never know with him, but Trey Sermon being released from the 49ers now signing, and I believe he was claimed off of waivers to the Philadelphia Eagles. Any interest in the former third round pick out of Ohio State? It was interesting because they actually tried to trade for him a week before. And then they, yeah. they realized that, all right, we're just going to take our shots on waivers. I think he honestly fits the Jordan Howard role. I think he's the most qualified guy to be that that goal line back. I don't think he's ever going to have big yardage totals, but he's probably going to end up with like four or five touchdowns on the year. Um, so if you drafted him in the last round of best ball, hoping, hoping for that role <laughs> in San Francisco, you got saved by this one. But ultimately, the, Philadelphia's got the arguably the best offensive line in football. They are one of the best rushing teams in football. The, the issue is that Jalen Hurts is going to take a lot of upside away from those guys um, on the ground. And most of them are between 20s guys, between the 20s, right? So Kenneth Gainwell has been my favorite target, uh, one of my favorite targets in the offseason. Uh, he's continued to climb up boards. But for the most part, the Eagles run game is just kind of gross. 
Yeah, that's the biggest problem for them is as much as we like them, we love Jalen Hurts, we love A.J. Brown. It's like, you don't really want Miles Sanders. He told us that directly in an interview, right? Kenneth Gainwell, more of a pass catching back, but was really good at Memphis. Now, again, the competition is much different in the NFL. And he did perform well last year. But to your point, they do need a big body back that they can use in the end zone, you know, in the 20, in, in the red zone. So I think you're right. There is a world where maybe he can get it done. But again, it's still a guy who was beat out by Elijah Mitchell, was beat out by a bunch of guys on the roster now and they just decided you know what we're gonna cut bait with him let's get rid of him I never thought he was much coming out of college but maybe to your point he can carve out a role in Philadelphia on an offense everyone projects to be number one pretty much in that division at this point with how much they're being bet on to win Super Bowls win the division I don't know if they've passed the Cowboys yet from as far as betting favorites but last I checked I believe they were tied with the Cowboys so I think there's a world where definitely he could have a ton of value this season now, Brian Robinson was placed on the non-football injured list, and he will miss the first four games. Does that impact you at all in your drafts heading into week one of the season? Maybe you want to draft Antonio Gibson a little bit higher, and I'm assuming you're staying away from Brian Robinson to this point because we don't know when he's going to come back. Yeah, rapid fire real quick. Eagles did pass the Cowboys to win in the division yesterday. They're now plus 140. Cowboys are plus 140. Uh, and that was actually my one Super Bowl bet this year so far as the Eagles. So, But yes. jumping in with Brian Robinson in general with injuries, like first off, prayers to him. Like that's that's yeah. an unbelievably unfortunate situation. I'm glad he's he's okay and going to be okay and return to football. But when they're, whenever you're in your drafts at this point and there's a lot of uncertainty around playing time, when someone's going to respond, uh, return to the field and everything, just let someone else handle that situation. It may have brought Antonio Gibson, a.k.a. kicker Turner, back from the dead for a little while. Yeah. Uh, J.D. McKissick, is, uh, I don't think his role is impacted that much. Ultimately, I don't know how much I want running backs in Washington anyway. But mm-hmm. I, unless Brian Robinson is like the last pick of a draft that's a really deep league, I'm, I'm probably – you just don't know. He might not play this year. Yeah. It's very, it's very possible, right? We don't know the extent of his injury. Now there was a, a report somewhere that somehow the bullet went through his knee, but it didn't, it didn't hit anything impactful. I'm not a doctor, and I've never done that, never experienced that. So I'm not sure how that could happen, but you know, like you said, prayers up to him. Hopefully, you know, he's okay and can come back. You know, he was placed on the on the pup and stuff, so he will miss the first four weeks. But hopefully, he can come back and you know return to form. Obviously, being off that leg for so long will affect his conditioning, all these things. But you know, like you said, maybe some life to people who were all in on Antonio Gibson. And we have an Antonio Gibson stan in the chat who has been gung-ho on him all year. But um, even she couldn't have expected this and did not want this to happen. But, you know, in a lot of ways, it's it's good for Gibson to see what happens. But we hope that B-Rob is okay. And I honestly, I still think there's a world where he does become the running back one for this offense. But to your point, how valuable is that really? We'll see. Um, Isaiah McKenzie apparently dealing with an injury as of Saturday. I don't know if you saw this report. But, you know, I guess it just would bolster what it could be for Gabe Davis and for Stephon Diggs and potentially maybe getting Jamison Crowder some more snaps for week one. I don't even think the injury was disclosed with what it is. Do you think this is a problem for Isaiah McKenzie? And would this change your draft strategy if potentially if you wanted to take him as a late round dart throw in that offense? This is such a hard thing to uh, analyze because we don't know the information, right? We don't know what the issue is. They were like, Oh, he should be good for week one, but uh, yeah. don't count on it. What What does that mean? Those are those those sentences mean the opposite things. And the thing about McKenzie is he's he's a, a small guy who's never yeah. played a full NFL season in a starting role. Um, and when these these smaller players get nicked up, I feel like it takes a lot more for them to come back. And while he beat Jamison Crowder out in camp, 
Jameson Crowder was the number two man beater in all of football last year. This has been a guy that's he's not as old as we think he is. He's like 28. Yeah. I think in everyone's mind, Jameson Crowder is like 35 years old. And he wins in man coverage, and he fits that Cole Beasley role very well. The interesting thing is right before the news broke, I actually bet McKenzie at plus 390 to score a touchdown. In the first I loved that. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, this, I love that. This, is, this is not price right. Last year, Cole Beasley was like plus 165 at all times. Um, I, I cashed out because even I have, I don't want to be in a situation where he's limited and plays a little bit and then I, I'm screwed there. But yeah, it's I would be very nervous if I ended up drafting McKenzie at the high end of ranges because I think Jameson Crowder with a couple good weeks, they could make it tougher for McKenzie to get back that full time start starting slot role because Jameson Crowder is probably the best wide receiver for in all of football. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think people need to remember that like this is, in a lot of ways, the wide receiver two role in this system. It's not the outside wide receiver who gets second most targets in this system. It's been, to your point, Cole Beasley getting upwards of 100 targets each of the last three seasons. And that includes when Josh Allen was bad. Everyone looks at this system and says, oh, Josh Allen's been good for two years. They're going to continue that. But the slot role getting 100 targets has been solidified for over three seasons. And so whether it's McKenzie or Crowder, one of those guys is probably going to have value. I know everyone wants it to be Gabe Davis. I'm kind of out on Gabe Davis, frankly. I don't really agree with the ADP, but to everyone's point, the upside is tremendous. And Fizzle Dollars did say it in the chat that the problem with McKenzie as well is that they play on Thursday. You don't even have the Sunday game to give him a couple extra days to maybe get healthy. So I don't know. I think to your point, you kind of have to just wait and see with him and hope that he's all right. But moving to the Titans now, from one washed receiver last season to another, is there any hope? That maybe, just maybe, Elliot, Josh Gordon can be fantasy relevant in 2022 after, I believe, leading the league in receiving yards in 2013, back when he was super high on the weed. How do you feel about Josh Gordon in Tennessee? Can he carve out a role in that offense? I will say when you say going from one washed uh, receiver to another in Tennessee, I thought we were going to make a <laughs> Traylon Burks joke. Uh, but Oh, no. I was talking about Julio Jones. <laughs> oh, uh, that, now it's not funny anymore. Um, no. <laughs> No, Josh Gordon, he's done, man. He's like, unfortunately, we never got to see fully prime Josh Gordon. We have like five years of data in a row of him not doing anything, including yeah. playing with Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's it's time to let it go. It's done. It's over. It was an incredible season. But it's over. Yeah. <laughs> It's not. It's not looking good for him. Um, yeah. Again, it just. I want no part. And and even if you did believe this isn't the right system for him to be in, you know, you you talk about my Julio Jones slander, right? But even even last season, it just he wasn't fully there. He wasn't engaged. He wasn't had the he didn't have the confidence of the coaching staff. And now he's in Tampa Bay, where they throw the ball seven hundred times a year, so he can actually carve out a role. And obviously, he's going to the Hall of Fame, so that doesn't hurt either. And, you know, for me, that's kind of the biggest thing is that this offense will run through Derrick Henry. Traylon Burks probably going to have a role. Nick Westbrook-Aquino probably have a role. Robert Woods, maybe, you know, somehow Kyle Phillips can get on the field. Everyone's favorite sleeper, everyone's favorite gym rat, Kyle Phillips, maybe carve out a role in Tennessee. But... Again, I don't think that Josh Gordon is going to be the guy this season. Now, Mike Anderson has been dying. Dying, Elliot. He is our NBA fan extraordinaire. He always loves it when we talk about the NBA on the show. How do you feel about Donovan Mitchell being traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers? That news broke yesterday. Three first-round picks. Colin Sexton is finally gone. Thank God. But how do you feel about this team? And can they compete in the East? Because it seemed like... 
an inconsequential move for me personally, but how do you feel about this move of Donovan Mitchell being traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers? I love it for both sides. I like that Utah just blew it up. They weren't going to go anywhere, yeah. and it's going it's to take them a while, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But from Cleveland's standpoint, and this is – I actually feel a little bit this way for Minnesota too, though Rudy Gobert is probably the wrong guy to go get. No one's oh, yeah. signing in Cleveland anyway. Like you're not – the only way you're getting someone to Cleveland is by an overpay or you're drafting them, and your team had gotten too good to the point where you're going to get a piece to put you over the top. I don't think they'll ever be a championship team, but Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, you could do a lot worse than that. And Evan Mobley with Jared Allen, like that's like a fourth, fifth seed. Maybe they get hot one playoffs, they make an Eastern Conference final. Like, but in Cleveland, like you ain't got that much more to root for, right? Like, no, you have to get really lucky. You have to get that LeBron James because no one signed into Cleveland. That's no knock on Cleveland or Ohio. I had a great time in Canton. But you're going to have a hard time convincing guys to go to Canton instead of Miami when it comes to NBA players. So I just – I like that they swung big because you're not going to get anyone else. No, 100%. And I think that's the biggest point here is that as much as for a basketball fan, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, maybe it's not going to work out. There's not a whole ton of star power. doesn't really play defense. But to your point, this is all they can do. They have to mortgage the future. They have to do whatever they can do to get players on this team. Because like you said, nobody is signing in Cleveland. Nobody is signing in Minnesota. And I can't imagine any player wants to sign to play with Carl Anthony Towns and all of his antics on and off the court, frankly. But, to I, you know, they can compete. They're not going to be that good, but okay. Elliot, I want to transition now because I have some questions for you. I want to talk about fantasy life and for people who aren't, you know, tapped into fantasy life somehow. I mean, maybe you've never heard of Matthew Berry is like this kind of a big deal, dude, but Elliot, the CEO of Matthew Berry's fantasy life, running the whole show, making the new website. Obviously we talked about it in Canton, but I wanted to introduce it to our audience and have you on the show. You told me there's only one thing you have to do and that is subscribe to the newsletter and you'll be updated on everything they're doing. Matthew Berry's fantasy life presented by KFC. Elliot, tell us about fantasy life. How are things going as you get close to the season? I see an announcement almost every day, it seems. You guys got Marcus Grant doing a podcast. You probably got who else knows coming on. Maybe you can get Terrell Owens to do a podcast for Fantasy Life. I would watch that at least if you are thinking of anything that you do want to do. But how is it going and what tools are you launching? Because it seems like, you know, I know you and the things that you're capable of launching tools for betting, for fantasy, the finger licking good rankings over on fantasylife.com. What are you most excited for this season from the team and the tools that you're launching? Whew. Uh, yeah, I and mean, it's been a hell of a ride. And I think one of the things I'm most excited about is that everything's 100% free. So we're trying to put the power yeah. back in the user's hands. So the newsletter is going to get delivered every day with, you know, you wake up, watch the show, read the newsletter. You're ready to go for everything you need to do. So, um, yeah, we added Marcus. We have two big names we're going to announce next week as well that I'm really excited about. The KSC sponsorship was, was huge, I think, for the entire industry, continuing to put fantasy more mainstream which is what Matthew's done throughout his whole career. Yesterday, he partnered with Tom Brady. So, like, it's, yeah. it's really, really exciting. Uh, we, we, we're we going to announce it later today on social, but I'll give it a little tease. We, we're going to launch our Fantasy Life Facebook game, where it's the fantasy game on Facebook. We partnered with them Damn. today. So, really excited about that. From a content perspective, we have about 100 pieces of content, all free from video, audio, social, um, Got to do the TikToks these days, right? Oh, yeah. It's coming out. So really excited about that. From from a tools perspective, we're going to launch our start sit tool, our league sync tool next week. We'll have our props tools, all of our projections comparing against the line. 
And uh, with one of the talents we're bringing on next week, we're gonna we think we have one of the best, if not the best, data guy coming on as well. So that's a little tease. Can't say his oh. name. Oh, you'll, you'll learn about that next week. No way. Yeah, you know the data is everything. Ray and I have been diving deep into the data for prize picks and for the betting content. And you know, obviously, I appreciate all of the advice you've given me. You made me some money in the NFL draft, so. I will definitely be tapped into all the things on Fantasy Life, but make sure you go into the description of the video and sign up for the newsletter at FantasyLife.com. And, you know, if you want to, subscribe to our newsletter. That's in the description, too. That dropped today, so you can get that. But another question I have for you, because you're on the show. I mean, you're wearing the KC hat, which feels like you're being a traitor right now. But we have to talk Jets. Your New York Jets. What are they going to do this season? Let's start right off the bat. What is their record going to be? And are you taking the over under for their win total, which I believe is six and a half? I think six and a half is right. I think they're going to win seven games. I think their <laughs> ceiling is nine. I think their floor is probably four to five. They're really improved talent wise, right? Going from a lack of pass rush and, and corners and getting Sauce Gardner um, is going to be huge. DJ Reed, you know, moving down these guys down the depth chart really helps. Uh, obviously, I think drafting Garrett Wilson was a home run to pair with Elijah yep. Moore and Corey Davis and, and getting Brees Hall. Like, There's a lot of pieces, but they're still first and second year players. And that typically, I know everyone's like, who's this year's Bengals? The answer is probably no one, right? Like, yeah. the, the, the Jets still have a long way to go in development. Zach Wilson uh, luckily did not tear his um, ACL, but he's yeah. you know, questionable, unlikely for week one. We'll see how that impacts his development. Joe Flacco, I think, actually probably helps them have a chance to win some games early on in this year. But they're still such a developmental team that from a from a fan perspective, the only goal for me is to see them compete and get better and throw to Elijah Moore. Yes, of course. We all know your love of Elijah Moore. Now, we got asked about it on Twitter. Is he overrated, underrated? He's wide receiver 30 on the finger-looking-good PPR rankings. Uh, Garrett Wilson is wide receiver 45 consensus sandwiched between Olave and Sky Moore. How do you feel about Elijah Moore and can he be the wide receiver one that you so desperately want him to be this season? I think it's uh, one thing that's really funny is uh, Scott Barrett of Fantasy Points <laughs> tweeted the other day that his computer has crashed four times in the last two <laughs> years and three of them were while he was writing Elijah Moore up. And today, yours crashes right as we're about to talk about Elijah Moore. Oh, I, just, that, yeah. <laughs> I think it speaks to like how much talent he has that like oh, systems yeah. can't even process it. No, I think Elijah Moore, listen, half of this is a bit at this point. I'm just like dedicated to it. It's almost like the regular thing for, for Ray G where like you're, yeah. you're in it. There's no... You're so dug in, right? Yeah. But... I still think he's he's a fantastic value in the sixth or seventh round of drafts right now. Wide receiver, uh, wide receivers going into the year two is what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a guy who continued to get better as the season went on. He was the wide receiver two overall for that five week stretch. He's got his open rate last year was actually one spot higher at ninth overall than Justin Jefferson's at tenth. He had the highest yards from scrimmage in his junior year before he exited of any player in the PFF era in the Power Five. So that's since 2000. That's a, yeah. that's a huge accomplishment. You look at a guy that broke out with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf on the team. A.J. Brown and Odell Beckham both said, I wish I had this man's talent. He's yeah. dynamic after the catch. He, he gets open, consistent. Like, guys who get open, I love. And the Jets should be in situations where they're going to throw the ball a lot. Plus, he's been the star of camp. It's just he's got so many different metrics that make you excited about everything. And I'm not – like. Corey Davis, I'm not really worried about being a thing. I think Garrett Wilson will continue to develop. But I think you're going to see Elijah Moore have an opportunity for uh, a 
1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. I think he's got that kind of uh, upside this season, and he's not drafted anywhere close to that. So if he's my wide receiver three this year, I'm feeling fantastic. So then uh, Fizzledoll is asking it in the chat, what is what happens with Garrett Wilson with all this? Does he kind of fall as the wide receiver two, wide receiver three? We've seen that in the past, you know, these first-round wide receivers, some of them are great, some of them... Jalen Rager, not so great, but where does he kind of fall in this offense? Because I think as much as we love all of the individual pieces, we still need Zach Wilson to be really good if they're all going to be fantasy relevant this season. I think to your point, Elijah Moore can definitely be that guy regardless of quarterback play. He's probably the only one that can overcome it through volume. But how do you feel about Garrett Wilson this season and obviously beyond for the Jets? He's mispriced. You know, everyone wants to draft him because he's on the Jets. Like it's one of these situations where... He goes in the 11th, 12th round. He's going behind guys um, that were drafted, I don't know, literally two days later than him. Yeah. Like two days, like Romeo Dobbs or Dubes or whatever the hell his name is, I don't care. He's wide receiver four on the Packers. You guys can get excited about him all you want. Should not go ahead of Garrett Wilson in drafts. Like, that's that's absurd. He's the 10th overall pick in a draft. I saw Mike Clay a couple weeks ago uh, said that since the Kevin White draft, all receivers outside of Kevin White who got hurt, who've gone in the top 10, have finished as a top 36 wide receiver. Wow. Your point, in the rookie Garrett season? Wilson, yes. Whew. So Garrett Wilson is going like consensus wide receiver 45, 50. Yeah. Like that's, that's, he's priced at his floor. He's yeah. a big time athlete. He's, again, great route runner. He's going to get enough volume that he's going to be able to pay off that price tag for sure. No, I'm I'm with you. I think there's a world where he can. I think it's just it's the concerns of this Jets offense and how do they ultimately run? Is Robert Sala gonna really air it out a lot, or do they kind of have a conservative run approach? That's really the only fears I think with them. And obviously, how does Zach Wilson look? Like, I, I'm curious whether you believe he's actually a franchise quarterback to this point. Because as much as we love Zach Wilson, I love the talent, I love the arm, I love the moxie, I love the dog in him. Can he really be that franchise quarterback that we need for fantasy to produce wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos? Good Lord, do I wish they drafted somebody else uh, <laughs> is my answer at the time. I really wanted Justin Fields. I would be so excited yeah. about this team right now if they had Fields in terms of his downfield ability with the, these teams would be – these players would be exciting. Um, I think Wilson is – he's got tremendous upside. He improved some as the season went along. I think he's – still takes a lot of chances with the ball that he shouldn't. I want to make sure that his confidence is there because I think that's the biggest key with him because when he gets timid, it all goes to hell. Like early last year, he was targeting Tyler Croft left and right. Stop doing that. Yeah. Right. That that security blanket, the first guy wasn't open. He would just go to it too quickly. So if he lets these receivers win their routes and gets confidence in the pocket, adding Dwayne Brown, I think was huge after they lost Makai Becton. You know, that, that offensive line should be solid as well with Vera Tucker and, like, and Tomlinson and George Font. Like, that's that's a solid upfront form. So, like, if he's not the guy, it's it's not on the Jets outside of maybe potentially coaching because the the players around him are everything you need to take that next step in year two. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that offensive line, while very young, and especially if they did have Beckton, it would be even younger. I, I They do have a lot of upside to your point. And, you know, if they're going to be good, then that means Brees Hall will be good. And Zach Wilson will hopefully have time in the pocket and he's not getting sacked all the time. And that's really the big X factor here is can that offensive line be good enough to make the Jets a really formidable offense on defense? We'll see. But you did add Sauce Gardner. And I don't know if you saw this, but Sauce Gardner launched his own line of, I believe it was hot sauce. It's called Sauce Sauce, partner with Buffalo 
Wild Wings. Elliot, have you purchased any sauce sauce or will you be purchasing any sauce sauce in the near future? Um, my wife runs the sauce in this household, so <laughs> I, I have no idea. She picks the hot sauce and the barbecue sauce and all that kind of stuff. She clowns me for uh, my taste buds. So. Your sauce takes? Uh <laughs> I did see that Woody Johnson once asked Sauce when he got drafted what kind of sauce he had in his chain. Yeah. And if you ever want to see an awkward interaction, uh, that's <laughs> one to watch because Sauce was talking about all the food he had to put different sauce on to make it good growing up to an old white billionaire. Yeah. Um, and he, he didn't really know what to say back about any of it. But yes, I will um, at some point, if I see it on the shelves, grab it and, ch- and check it out. <laughs> For sure. Now, I want to talk about one of probably the highest anticipated divisions in all of football this season. And I want to ask you, who do you have winning the AFC West? You know, the Chiefs could definitely repeat. They're probably the favorites right now. But with all the talent around them in the Chargers, the Broncos, even the Raiders to some extent, who do you have winning the AFC West? And how do you feel about this division overall? Uh, the division's phenomenal. Every game's going to be must-see television. I think the Raiders' defense is not good enough to compete, even though they got Chandler Jones. They've got... Uh, just an abysmal secondary, and they were the worst red zone defense in NFL history last year. That's not yeah. great. Um, I think losing Tyreek Hill does is going to impact this team. You know, you mentioned the the Cardinals secondary being awful, but there's oh, yeah. a lot of unknown pieces in that Kansas City pass catching game, right? Like Sky Moore, Marcus Valdez Scantling, Juju Smith Schuster. Like, there there are more questions than answers, I would say at this point. But Mahomes is Mahomes. Broncos got a great defense. All that being said, and I'm wearing the Chiefs hat. I'm going with the Chargers. I love Justin Let's Herbert. Go. I think he's a. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had that, I had a feeling you'd go there because the talent is just phenomenal on on the Chargers right now. It's it's that, insane how much pieces they got. Justin Herbert, I think, is a top three NFL quarterback right now. I think I think we because he didn't make the playoffs last year, people are knocking him a little bit. But in mm-hmm. that game, he did literally everything you could ever want a quarterback to do to put them in the playoffs. Mike Williams dropped the pass in the end zone. Defense let him down, and Brandon Staley called a timeout. Like, the <laughs> the Chargers, if they stay healthy and they finally on, are on the right side of variance, they have a coach <laughs> who believes in analytics. They got Khalil Mack, Derwin James fully healthy. They added J.C. Jackson, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Austin Eckler, Gerald Everett. Like, this team has all the pieces of a Super Bowl contender with a young franchise quarterback. So I love the Chargers this year. Yeah, they're going to be disgusted. You know, their biggest liability was the defensive front and the run game. That Brandon Staley just said, forget it. Run the ball as much as you want. We don't care. But they brought in a pair of DTs to hopefully bolster that defensive line to where maybe even it will be difficult to run on them this season. To your point, Derwin James coming back, JC Jackson may allow them to play some more man defense. They could be really, really good, even that division, and still having to play the NFC West on the other side of that schedule. So there's a lot of things working over there. But now, you know, we got to get into the bets a little bit. What is the your favorite future that you have at any point in the offseason? You could talk about one now if you want, but I know that you take these lines early. You bet them in May. You bet them in March. You bet them in July. But what's the favorite one that you think you have on the books right now that you got a shot of winning? Uh, George Pickens to lead rookies in receiving yards at 30 to 1. And now okay. on FanDuel, he's six to one as the favorite. He was priced with Daniel Bellinger. Uh, oh, and I was oh, like, boy. I literally saw it. I was like, did they announce that George Pickens is out like four to six weeks <laughs> or anything like that? Because his talent profile is phenomenal, right? The only reason he fell to the second round was the off-field stuff and Pittsburgh. I know everyone's like the quarterback situation, but Big Ben sucked last year, <laughs> and all he did was underneath routes. 
Like Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, Jay Rich. Ray, I don't know about Ray G. Ray G's missing Achilles. But everyone other than Ray G is an upgrade for Big Ben uh, over Big Ben. So I love Pickens this year. I think he's already going to be the wide receiver two over Chase Claypool. And, yeah, um, that seems to solidify so much, at this point too. There's so much variance at 30 to 1. Like Traylon Burks, struggling. Garrett Wilson, question marks, right? Like Chris Olave, compet- a lot of uh, competition there. Sky Moore, mm-hmm. that's, I think it's going to be tough for Sky to get to like 1,000. Just oh, yeah, he's it. not getting there. There's no way. He's Juju's so backup think, right now, right? So I think you're, to your point, Pickens is a great – well, especially the value you got him. I don't know if you saw his rookie of the year price jumping ahead of Kenny Pickett, so that was insane. But to have him at 33-1, to 1, I mean, you saw that, right? I was no, like – we need to calm down. If Pickett, by the way, if Pickett ends up as the, uh, the starter – He's the only he's the only quarterback that can win rookie of the year this year. I think that's if you want to get into rookie of the year. Actually, since we're here, where like how do you how do you feel about that market? I mean, I haven't looked at it in a while because once I saw Pickens was was number one, I'm like, okay, this is dumb. Like no one knows clearly what's going to happen. There's no quarterbacks of consequence because Kenny Pickett isn't the starter. I mean, you know, you're looking at Brees Hall and you're like, how is he going to get there? You're looking at Pickens and saying, well, he could be great, but is the quarterback going to dictate his his passing and you know is it going to be good enough and if Pickett comes in will they win enough games to where he could be the rookie of the year Cole World saying Skylar Thompson there's just no way you know you see maybe Kenneth Walker he's hurt Garrett Wilson probably not going to do it Drake London maybe right but still has to deal with Marcus Mariota I, I mean it's it's tough out here trying to bet a rookie of the year has been one of the hardest things you know Ray was on Mac Jones last year and obviously lost because Jamar Chase had a historic season but Honestly, at this point, all bets are off for Rookie of the Year, especially Offensive Rookie of the Year, and who it could be. I don't know who's going to win it. Elliot, do you have any idea of who you think could win Rookie of the Year this year? That's All the reasons you just laid out are why it's so tough, right? Um, typically, you want to go uh, a quarterback. Um, running back is another option. Kenneth Walker's probably not going to be it. Right yeah. now, Brees Hall is splitting time with Michael Carter. I don't know if they're ultimately going to win enough games. Uh, Kenny Pickett, I think if he ends up the starter quickly, has a really good opportunity. And the whole argument why I think George Pickens has a good chance to lead rookies in receiving yards um, is the reason why it's so tough to bet on any of the rookie receivers, too, for that. So there's there's also a reason why no one's like 4-1, to one, right? Typically, you have a heavy favorite like that. Everyone is in that 9-1 to one plus category because there's so much variance and uncertainty. Yeah, and I think the the cool thing that we'll see about this year is like when one of those guys has a good game, they'll become the heavy favorite or at least more of a favorite pretty quickly and hopefully add some value down the board. And throughout the season, you can kind of pick and choose your guys as the value shifts and you can maybe get some good bets over there. But, you know, last question I want to ask you because I'm just so intrigued by this question because it came up yesterday. Yesterday, it was brought up that Ray gave you a bet last March for the number one quarterback off the board. Now, someone on our Discord, Evan, was asking us, who do you think the number one quarterback will be off the board in 2023? Last year, you de- you asked Ray directly on Twitter, Ray, who is your number one quarterback off the board in 2023? And he replied, Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis was um, not a great suggestion by old GQ, but we live to see another day. Elliot, do you have a guy that you have pegged to be the number one QB off the board? CJ Stroud is the current favorite to be the number one pick at plus 200 and has to be the number one, has to be the favorite right now to be the number one quarterback off the board. Who do you like? Are you familiar with the quarterbacks? And would you be placing this bet at all before the college football season kicks off? There was a lot to answer there. First, uh, Ray G very let, rarely lets me down. So uh, this one, I think he thought I meant number one quarterback on the transfer board, not draft board. Um, 
Definitely. Looked good last night, though. Good power to Keaton Slovis. But ultimately, this is such a tough bet. We were talking a little pre-show about this. Is that, like, the guy who's favored to be the first overall pick rarely ends up as the first overall pick. I think Trevor Lawrence is the only one in the last eight years to do it. Uh, we got C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, both guys with phenomenal um, profiles on great offenses that are going to look to take that next step forward. To your, to one of the other points we we're making that is really tough is that once guys make it, like they're the guy. All we yeah. do for that entire year is find reasons why they're not. Like mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley is a great example. I know I'm switching to running backs, but there was everyone was like, he is the guy. He's the best running back prospect in the last ten years. Yeah, and then like. But he bounced outside Santa, and we find these little. And then what if, what if Ronald Jones is really better than him? Like, this is what we do. We start nitpicking, so it's it's easier to 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 kind of play that you know up and coming guy. Yeah. Um, I lean CJ Stroud because I think Bryce Young's size is going. People are going to pick on that. Um, yeah, 100%. but you know, Will Levis of Kentucky, I, ten to one. Yeah. Typically not a bet I love to make. The thing I like about the draft is that it's really information betting and and reacting quickly and knowing who to talk to. Right now is legit gambling. Yeah. Like it's not – when I bet on the draft, typically I try to invest in the draft. I try to set up literally a a financial portfolio of as many good uh, EV situations as possible. This is just me. Well, we're going to do it live. Whatever happens, happens. (laughs) Fire and bullets. No, you're right though. Like it's – CJ Stroud should win the Heisman this year, but that doesn't mean he's going to be the number one quarterback off the board. It doesn't mean he's going to be the number one pick. And that's the biggest problem is that if you were to take a bet on number one quarterback, it should be a guy that you think can come out of nowhere, right? The way that Malik Willis really did last season. And while he still wasn't the number one quarterback off the board, he's a guy who really came out of nowhere and people weren't projecting him to be such a high pick. And there was at times people said he could go at two, he could go at three, he could go at four, he could go to six. So, again, you know, it, I think it's Anthony Richardson. We've talked about it a lot. It's Levis and Richardson because of the dual threat ability. But, again, to go all the way to number one, I doubt it. But if you want to say first quarterback off the board, I'm fine with it. I still think that Will Anderson is going to be the number one pick in the draft. It just depends on who ultimately has the number one pick. You saw this year, like, it, it could have been a quarterback. But at the end of the day, like, the Jags don't need a quarterback. And no one wants to take a quarterback high. So, it, it could be Will Anderson number one. I believe he's th- he's three. I think he's over three to one. So, not a bad bet if you want to take him he is easily the most talented player in the draft but number one quarterback I I think I would bet on Richardson because of the tools but again we saw Trey Lance go three not one and that's kind of the biggest problem here for me but so I am kind of with you on that I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on. I didn't want to keep you past 9 o'clock. I wanted to thank everybody who came and checked us out in the chat. I'm sorry for the technical difficulties, Elliot, but I really appreciate you riding with me through it all, through and through. You're my dog, and I really appreciate you. Everyone go subscribe to the Fantasy Life newsletter. Go to the other stream and go to the description there because that's where it is. We are on a fresh stream here, but the podcast feed will be in the description there. Elliot, is there anything else you want to say to the people before you leave? I really appreciate you having having you on, though, and just rocking with me, hanging out, and uh, I'm excited excited for fantasy life this season thank you i appreciate that uh jay rich i appreciate everything you and ray are doing too moving the industry forward taking production and the shows to the next level um and i you know this is awesome again head to fantasylife.com that's super easy to sign up for the newsletter uh just to touch on the last point you made on the draft is that it's not even just the players that are the variables it's the teams that are the variables and you start having that many variables gambling that that, yeah that's a great way to lose money and it's 
like you said, Will Anderson's the best player in the draft, dynamic pass rusher, but yeah. Three to one, do I really want to tie up my money for eight months on three to one on something that has that many variables? Because if the Lions end up with the first overall pick, he's going to move to like 20 to one. Yeah, exactly. So I just I think there's there's too much uncertainty. And and that's that's one of the things you really want to do is and this is something I've talked a lot about on your show is when, when you're betting that much uncertainty, you want high high odds because when you're yeah, when you're upside, certain about right? uncertain things that's how you start getting crushed in betting and i that is probably the best piece of betting advice you ever give me if you're certain about uncertain things that's a great way to blow your bankroll but elliot thank you so much for coming on again everyone make sure you subscribe to the fantasy life newsletter make sure you subscribe to our newsletter make sure you subscribe to the channel like this video and i will see you guys probably on monday ray's going to do a stream for college football for week one We are out. Elliot, thank you so much for coming on, and I will see you guys later. I'm out. Peace.